0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Hello and welcome to Loose Ends, our weekly bonus podcast, which, Dad, at this point we've been doing Loose Ends for about 50 installments, so it, it doesn't really seem like a temporary thing anymore, does it?
2: No, and um, we get a lot of great feedback in relation to the second episode. Mm. I think it's. I think a week's a long time to wait for something that you really like. Hundred percent. I agree. Um, you know, it's like waiting for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> that's fifty-two weeks away. Well, not now, but if it was Christmas Day today, yeah, um, it would be fifty-two weeks away from today. But it's not. It's less. But, um, but twice a week is is doubly exciting.
1: See this is why this is a bonus episode because stuff like that happens and I leave it in because mm. it's loose ends.
2: Well I think spontaneity is one of the keys to our um relative success.
1: All right, well then just if you're going to be spontaneous say 3 random words, just unrelated words that aren't related to true crime right now. Go.
2: Cheese grinder. What's rubber. Cheese... Rubber Johnny. What's a cheese grinder? It's a thing that grinds cheese.
1: Why do you, Why would you grind cheese? No idea. Have you ever ground cheese?
2: No, although I you went to gr- a uh, a very good estate mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. And I, I deal in antiques, as you know, but there was something fairly exciting that <clears throat> was for sale, but it wasn't an antique. And it was a beautiful cheese slicer, but it actually, and this is fair and Paul, Mm. I mean, I don't just make shit up, um, but it had a malachite handle.
1: Now, malachite, is that that green stone?
2: Beautiful, beautiful green stone. Mm. And I I was beguiled by the green stone handle. And this is such a stupid story. But it's weird, Paul, because you mentioned or said, say, three things. I only actually said two. Right. Um, But... um, and I guess the listeners are going, where on earth is this going? <laughs> but I'll tell you. I, I've i always wanted one of those 70s cheese slicing things. You know the one I mean, with a handle? And you kind of no, you well, pull I mean, it through the cheese block?
1: I wasn't familiar with uh, a cheese grinder. No, it's um, not really a grinder. But no, but nothing it's is.
2: On the subject of
1: cheese and malachite. <laughs> but Paul, this
2: is the most extraordinary story because. I got to use this gadget and it was not that successful Um, and the handle bent and I'd paid good money for this stupid thing Um, and then Christine weirdly sent me a photograph when I was out, um, on the road probably and she sends this photograph of this basically just lumps of cheese that had been literally murdered in a big pile, and they were all disfigured and totally weird. And at first, I couldn't figure out what the image was. And then Christine had a, a caption saying, This is what your cheese slice did. In other words, it was a, a
1: total failure. Right. So, what you've done is, you know, you sound like you sound like Abe Simpson. No, where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had an onion on my belt, which was the style at the time. You find that funny, do you? Who is is Abe Simpson? Well, there was a more Abe Simpson thing to say. They didn't have white onions because of the war. The only thing you could get was those big yellow... Anyway, listen... Okay, you didn't name a third thing. You said cheese grinder, which is not a thing. You mean cheese grater. You said rubber Johnny and thought I kind of wouldn't pay attention to that. I'll let you come up with one th- more thing before I go into our Stirrup. very, very... What? Stirrup. Stirrup. Yeah. Okay. I can't think we'll of a context in which... Yeah, with which those we'll three things... Need, yeah, yeah mm. all right. Okay, I have an email here uh, from an anonymous listener who asks that I don't include his name and that I don't include the name of the place he works. And that's the kind of... Those are the conditions upon which I'm allowed to read this message. So, are you ready, Dad? I'm ready. Great. Hey, Paul, I just finished the episode's Clowns and Corpses about Luna Park. I used to work at a theme park, and then he names the theme park, and I will say, I like this theme park. I'm a fan of this specific theme park. There was an ongoing rumor that the park was haunted, which most people disbelieved. Flash forward a few years and I'm in a supervisory role at the same park. With many late finishes, I often found myself to be one of the last to leave. By this time, it was clear who was on site still, as we generally had two security on, one on the gate from the car park and one in charge of roaming and checking locks. I can indeed confirm that theme parks do get eerie after dark. It's something about a place that's supposed to be lovely and fun, that's silent and still. There most definitely are ghosts that haunt certain buildings of this specific park. I've seen the stills from security tape and witnessed other things happening in buildings when checking them with the guards. Things that you can't plan when there are only three people on site and you know the third person is in a security room with a two-way radio. Stuff like shirts falling off racks, lollies scattering out of displays, Luckily, these were always friendly pranks from the ghosts. Feel free to tell the story. Just keep my name and the park's name secret. And I almost named him again. Dad, I've been to this park and I went there at night once for a thing, which if I said what it was, I would give away what park it is. And it was a bit spooky, but I mean, when we used to live at, because uh, we, we used to live on the premises of a an Anglican school, St. Luke's, and you were the caretakers and occasionally you would take us around the school to basically check that every single classroom was locked mm. and just you had the big key ring, remember? Yep. Well, well, about I'm glad, what time-
2: you, I'm glad you said put the word key in front of the word ring.
1: Why would I say you had the big ring, remember?
2: <laughs> That's a joke, Paul.
1: Oh, good. Okay. Well, now you know what it feels like. Yep.
2: <laughs> Retribution.
1: People listen to this show and go, he skipped 10 this episode. So we, what time of night would you typically do the kind of security check around the school with us?
2: Oh, um, well, generally with daylight saving, it was, I guess, around 6 p.m. Okay. So it,
1: was, it was still light. Right. But we did do it when it was dark occasionally or the sun was setting. Do you remember those, those rounds?
2: And um, also sometimes when it was very stormy. We had to go go over, and it was really... I found it really, really... I find going into school classrooms when there's no one in the classes, Mm. again, it's got that weird... You know how you go into, for example, a church or um, a big sporting venue, any place that during the day or nighttime has got a wonderful sensation when it's full of people? Yeah. Like going to a... You know, a dance club or a massive venue, mm. and you've been there when it's pumping, or an but, amusement park, yeah. or an amusement park. But mm. then, if you go to the, those types of places that that genuinely have a spirit of of just this—I mean, people create a certain vibe um, unintentionally. They it's sort of an aura of of just togetherness. Um, okay, here's here's an analogy. You go to the tennis in melbourne to one of the big tennis games that i've never been to and mm-hmm. i can imagine being there in the with the crowd and and that the, the joyous sort of sensation that this group energy creates but then imagine going back at one in the morning and you're the only person and you walk down onto center court and you stand by the net and you you sort of do a 360 degree sweep and you sort of you pivot around and look at every single empty chair mm. and maybe you look up into the sky and it's silent. Now, that situation or that moment in time, I believe your senses are amplified. And I think it's something to do with the the fact that something human is no longer there. And I definitely think if there's been a like a joyous um, place. And I guess amusement parks generally mm. um, are places where families go and, and individuals to to have fun, uh, to go on rides, to experience um, ex- extreme nausea and vomiting. <laughs> Again, getting um, back their to faces, Stuff their you're... faces with... I know what you're going to say, Paul, yep, but, and yep, it's yep. not true what you're about to say because okay. I, am, I am a really, really... Deep down, fun. Fun super. Go. I, i
1: I know you delight in, but
2: I, I, love, I love fun.
1: Um, no, I don't think we'll come to Paris Disneyland, Paul. That seems a bit too um, frivolous for us. We might just stay at our Airbnb and stare at the wall.
2: Mm. Well, I've never just stared at walls in Paris, Paul, because it's oh, a it's a city mm. of whatever. Breakthrough. Um, <laughs> but um, you know. If that amusement park in that story was in Tokyo, uh huh, I would a part of my brain would be thinking in relation to the lollies flying everywhere, yeah, earthquakes.
1: Yeah, okay, but in Sydney and Luna Park, you're typically not going to have a. Have did you just name
2: the? To... Did you just name the park? No. Oh. Okay.
1: No, no, it's. I, I promise you, it's not that park. No, no, the listener knows it's not that park. Yeah. but let's say you are at. And Australian amusement parks are not typically on fault lines. We don't really have that many. We used to have, uh, what was that one we used to go to? You took us there. They had the big wooden, they had the largest wooden roller coaster in the southern hemisphere called the Bush Beast. And it was the. Oh, yeah, that's out west. Australia's Wonderland? Yes, yes, yes. And it had the Tower of Terror uh, or Space Probe 7, I don't remember. But basically, they put you in a chair, lift you up. Uh, you know like a city block and then just drop you in free fall not really a ride no. more of an ordeal mm. like a sh- shared trauma, mm. but when you went to Luna park that night um and have we yeah so when you went to Luna park um in the chapter with the floater where you rocked up at the park and there was a body that had kind of wedged itself in the rocks this was you know like four years after the fire uh, at the, in the ghost mm. train so obviously that was that yeah. was done and dusted Mm. did did you get any sense that anything spooky was going on in the park did you have kind of a sense of foreboding or hauntiness if that's a word
2: yeah I just can't I just I just think it's not natural Mm. to go into an amusement park after hours particularly at night time and no it's just a really really and I and I actually remember trying not to look over towards the ghost train. And, um, and Coney Island, and they're just kind of... And it was a really... I mean, historically, it is significant, and a lot of these rides were, were built. Coney Island, for example, with the some of the early... Those slides were wooden slides made, I guess, in the mm-hmm. 1920s. I mean, they are so beautiful. Imagine the, the incredible... The, the, the sheen on the timber... Because they used to give you these sacks, these sacks, to, and that was what you'd sit on.
1: That's right to and slide s- down, yeah, to yeah. slide
2: down the timber. I mean, they were. Imagine how many, probably millions of people had done that. Nothing's as fun like sacks. Well, no, I think I think that's part of the charm.
1: It's like it's it's like going down a kind of hill on a toboggan, basically. Mm. Yeah. Paul
2: um, and listeners, one of the major problems with the the fire, the ghost train fire in 1979 Mm. was the inability for the fire brigade to get enough water and what they've done. And I think I've mentioned it to you and the listeners on prior occasions, but I'm going to sort of punctuate it again because it's very, very important. Mm -hmm. And that is that after that incident, they set up a permanent drafting, very, very thick black hose that permanently is immersed in sydney harbour gotcha it's not interesting so the fire brigade if there's ever an incident again and it's rather sad to think that you ha- you it, it took something so tragic mm. to highlight an in- inadequacy or inefficiency in the system i.e they bloody didn't have enough water so this permanent drafting facility um at least the last time i was there was uh was set up and it's kind of... It it gives them an unlimited water supply, albeit salt water. Um, And that's what they use if if ever there's a major incident down there. But, um, I mean, you know... Funnily enough, Paul, a place that doesn't creep me out, Mm. and that is um, cemeteries. I I actually... um, And I don't want to weird people out... But sometimes I walk through cemeteries. Um, there's a beautiful you, cemetery in Fair. you mean like on, on
1: your way to other places?
2: No, i pull c- up and walk through a cemetery. Uh, okay. You think that's a bit odd?
1: No, I don't think it's odd. I mean, Tegan and I, because um, we spend a fair bit of time in Mafra where Tegan's parents live. And Mafra is in the middle of nowhere, but just down the road from uh, Tegan's parents' place is a graveyard. Mm. And... You know, one night there was a full moon and we thought we'd just... It was about 11pm and it was, you know, it's in the country. There's no light, really. So it was just moonlight and it was very foggy. And so we thought just for the shit of it, we'd kind of go for a wander through the graveyard. And it was a really interesting experience because I didn't feel like there was any bad juju at all. I just Mm. felt like it was a place where... It's just it's just a place like any other. It it didn't scare us. We we thought it was beautiful. So we just sort of wandered around through the different sections and kind of just you know very quietly just sort of walked around and then left. Mm -hmm. It didn't it didn't and we also did a uh, show in the old Melbourne jail once inside the actual jail and again it was just a it's just a building. There was Mm -hmm. no you know bad energy there.
2: Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I went to that performance that you and Tegan were involved in. Yeah, uh, and I I found it. Um quite disturbing
1: well yes that's um, because but that's because the performance was specifically tailored to scare the audience members but because we knew that it wasn't scary and we were you know we were in the space before the kind of mood lighting went on it really was just it was just
2: a beautiful old building mm, really but, but paul what i what I see in places like that yeah um is previous um trauma yeah and 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 sorrow and misery and and I see, you know, police bashings. Um, I see people unconscious on. Because I experienced all that at North Sydney. Because those mm. cells at the back of the police station uh, were they were they were Victorian. They were they were they were actually well. You could have filmed a convict uh, documentary in those cells. But what I wanted to say about cemeteries is that occasionally, and um, without sounding glib, I. Sometimes, if I've got time, mm-hmm. um, I'm one of these people, Paul. That if I get a thought in my mind, a positive thought, yep. um, I like to act on it. So if I'm if I've got time, I'm driving past. There are some amazing, wonderful. There's an there's there's an extraordinary cemetery in Sydney, in the inner west, uh, and the public can walk in. And it is basically just. I'll take you and Tegan there next time you're up. It'll blow your minds. It's it's, it's an old, old cemetery, and it's not well kept. It's kind of slightly overgrown. A lot of the headstones have, have fallen over. But I like walking amongst the, the, the graves. I like reading the stories um, and seeing the age of the people. Um, and I think it's a good... For me, it grounds me um, in, in a positive way. You know, it um, it makes me appreciate, you know, being alive. It's just great. It's, it's, it's very calm. And if I was at any cemetery by myself at two in the morning, I would not be at all. In fact, I would find that more peaceful and relaxing than an amusement park. There's something if about an amusement park that is quite frankly, I, I can't
1: even put my finger on it. Alright, two notes. One, if any of our listeners happen to see, you know, a man matching John's description, walking around a, a <laughs> cemetery at night, it is your duty as a listener to scare the shit out of him. It's just mm, a well, that one. would be horrific if someone
2: jumped out, obviously. Oh God, wouldn't it? Yeah. Be, uh,
1: yeah. Secondly, uh, secondly, going back to the message from our listener... What are your thoughts on that? On the, on the fact that, you know, there were, what, two to three people working at this unnamed amusement park and things like stuff falling off displays. And he said there's footage as well, which I, I thought was super Okay, well, interesting. that's interesting.
2: Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah.
1: I mean, there are ghost hunters out there. Mm. In fact,
2: and I'm, I'm going to put, put this out there, but very, very, very delicately. Uh-huh. But we have a listener who is a serving member of, of a police force somewhere up on this planet and this particular police officer is a, a member of a paranormal group <gasps> really yep and that's all i can say
0: mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones
1: blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's
0: Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
1: That's all. Really? Sorry. Yeah,
2: because I'm I'm entrusted with this person's absolute. Okay. Um, yeah. It's an absolute secret.
1: Now, okay, with that but in if mind. if this person,
2: this person that listens, if if that person would like to reach out to me um, and give me permission to talk a bit about some of the incredible stories, I will, but not until that person. So I'm being very, very, very vague here. But I have known about this person for about a year
1: now. Okay. Okay. What's interesting about that is it implies that if this person was, or at least this is your belief, Dad, that if you were a police officer and people found out that you were a member of a paranormal group, like a paranormal society, like a ghost hunter, basically. I mean, do you think that would kind of, would you become a laughingstock? Or-
2: no, no. I think it'd be a feather in your cap.
1: Oh, well then... the
2: police, police forces throughout the world, Mm. um, whether or not they talk about it openly, uh, here's a fact. Mm -hmm. They do use clairvoyance on the payroll. Really? To help, um, mainly to help locate um, graves of of mainly children and people that have been abducted and never found. So So the, the police force, don't underestimate the police forces. They... When things get really, really, when they're desperate for a result, they, they, they can go into some pretty interesting places, and I think that's, you know, again something,
1: Paul. That's that's another avenue we can we can look, you know, go down. Did you ever um, work on any cases involving clairvoyance or mediums or anything? I can now
2: tell you that. Your mother and I, we lived in Manly and down the road from us was a clairvoyant of international repute who Mm -hmm. was regularly engaged by the New South Wales Police Force. Really? And we went to... We still talk about this guy. He said things to us back then about all you kids and me and Christine that Mm -hmm. some of those things are still unfolding today. Could you tell me some of them? Um, I'll, I'll discuss it with Christine and I'll put together a few of the stories, but one of them was about Anne and pretty well, he said some really, really unusual things about mm-hmm. Anne mm-hmm. and, 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 and they're pretty well all come true.
1: Right. What did he, I mean, given that, what did, what did he say about me? <laughs> God,
2: you're so funny, Paul.
1: Why? This is a,
2: this is because- <laughs> Because Paul, I need to confer because I don't remember everything. But your mother, yeah. who has got a, a memory like a steel trap. Uh huh. She will brief me. Okay. Or you can call her. You can call her off mic and, and have a chat with her. Yeah, I mean, because I would love to. Because this no, is a- fascinating. Yeah. And he he had, he had a, uh, a sausage dog, and, oh God, Paul, I'm, I've got to be. I'm only saying this because, on the balance of probabilities, mm-hmm. he's deceased. Well, look, Dad. But but, but it, Paul, guess what? What? You ready for this? Uh huh. He worked at the Sydney Opera House. Okay. And he had a he had a um, a sausage dog, and the lead. Get ready for this, listeners. The lead that was attached to the, to the collar, which was about a metre long, was made of sausages. How's that?
1: What do you mean it was made of sausages?
2: <laughs> the lead. Yes. The leash. Yes. <laughs> was made up of about thirty plastic sausages.
1: Right, so yeah, what you've what you've done is said sausages and not plastic sausages. I know,
2: I know, but I just for fun, I mean, you know, I, oh. I assumed you'd know they weren't real sausages,
1: because oh, that'd no. be just weird because they'd what? go off. Dad, you're absolutely right. I was wrong. You are fun. I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, what's really odd about this is the fact that I mean, if he was really psychic, do you reckon he knew? that we'd be talking about him on a podcast one day. I mean, <laughs> he wouldn't know what podcasts are
2: because they didn't exist. Paul, he- you bro- they broke the mold, fortunately, when you were born.
1: What does that mean? It means you're unique. Right, okay. Well, well technically, if the mold's broken, it's a defective product. <laughs> I love you, Paul. Love you, too, Dad. Uh, okay, so... Okay, it's an interesting message um, from this unnamed... The thing is, I've been at this park and I've never felt spooked, but now next time I go... Actually, this park... Oh, I got kicked out of this park once. Oh, I went there on a road trip during university and got, got kicked out for reasons I can't go into on the podcast. But, I mean, that's not spooky. That's just... Stupid adolescent behavior. Mm. But I mean, I love amusement parks. We don't have nearly enough of them in Australia. Maybe if they were more haunted, they would attract more people. If you found a place that was, you know, like a destination, like a tourist destination, and you found out that it was legitimately haunted, Mm. do you think that would compel you more to head across? I mean, we all stayed. I mean, Yourself, myself, and Tegan stayed in a jail in mm. where was it? Was it Ballarat? Was it where was it? It was the town with the blue lake. Yeah, the massive blue lake. Mount uh, Mount Gambia. Yes, yeah, so we stayed in Mount Gambia, right? Mm. And, and we stayed. Was, yeah, we stayed in yeah. an old an old prison. Converted- I found that really. Oh,
2: look, that took me a long time to get to sleep that night. R- well, I, mean- I was, I was just looking up at the, the perfectly curved tunnel-like ceiling and I was genuinely genuinely thinking about the people that had stayed in that cell over over a hundred year time span and it's, and I went out early uh, the next morning by myself very early and I walked around the yards and that's the prison where the prison warder um, allowed a prisoner to paint but it was a mythological scene on one wall the sort of uh, unicorns, and it was a sort of a fantasy scene, but from the 19th century, but he would not allow the painter, the artist, to paint a scene of scenery and, and bushes and sky, because he felt that would be too realistic and make the prisoners feel just a little bit too good about, you know, being able to sort of transport their minds yeah. outside, yeah. which is so bizarre. I remember. Um, but, you know, it, that was an extraordinary experience, but like cemeteries like certain institutions i mean i drive past the north ride it used to be called and, he, and and just you know listeners this is taken in 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 context with the time but when i was in the police force we had a place called the north ride mental asylum now i know the word asylum is not used anymore but i drive past that place at least once a week when i'm on the road heading out sort of west and i and i was looking at the windows i'd glance over just last week looking up at the windows that are really really high up and really really tiny you know designed they're very inward inward looking in sort of they they don't want the people inside mm. that are locked in to to even think that there's an outside world and and i used to go there we used to take people there and it was and you know, we had to take our... I've spoken about it before. We, we took our appointments off, you know, guns, handcuffs, because you just can't go into a mental institution, which is what they were called back then. Mm-hmm. You can't go in armed. Yeah. You can imagine what had happened. But the first time I ever went into that place, we were taking... We were scheduling a person that had had a, a serious episode and we actually took them into the ward and everyone... It was quite late. It was dark. Um... And everyone was in pyjamas. But I remember it was males and females. So the women wore sort of 90s. And the men wore pyjamas. Um, something I've never worn. Because I hate pyjamas. And um, I remember they came up to me. And there were women and men. And they were they were all drugged really heavily. Like, like in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. No exaggeration. Heavily medicated. And they all just sort of... It was like being on the set of a uh, apocalyptic film. I'd like to know how many people, um, how many of our listeners have at times in their life, totally out of the blue, been absolutely covered with goosebumps and a, f- a terrible feeling of, of, of fear. Has that ever happened to you?
1: Well, I mean, if you got cholera, you'd get that on the reg, but I think they've abolished that abolished cured you can't abolish a disease you're not allowed here disease it also sounds like you're describing the symptoms of covid but in answer to your actual question i have i think once or twice been genuinely spooked i mean Mm. genuinely spooked but i used to get night terrors so i'm Mm. no stranger to kind of being properly scared but if listeners want to kind of send us their like genuine genuine spooky haunty scared the pants off crazy stories and we can maybe compile a few. Whether or mm. not they involve crime, I mean the crime element's a bonus, but if you if you are involved in anything that is like really supernatural, uh then please do get in touch because this kind of stuff fascinates us. It mm. really does. So but yeah.
2: I was I was coming home here <clears throat> um a few days ago, Paul, and I was absolutely one hundred percent totally convinced that there was someone behind me, and I almost didn't want to look behind me. Was there? No. But, no, no, but it was so intense. I could almost feel the person behind me, and it was creepy, and it was 10 or 11 in the morning here. Now, that's a very unusual thing to happen, don't you think? Yeah,
1: that is odd. That is really odd. I mean, maybe someone was, just for a second. That's right,
2: but isn't that just... And it it was so... I, I genuinely expected someone to be right behind me on this narrow pathway. And and I had to turn around and look. And that, that is not a common occurrence. And, and what, occasionally these things happen.
1: What? what like, did you... <laughs> no one was there, obviously. No, no,
2: but I was going to go into our building, and I'm always very cautious. Mm. I mean, they talk about women being able to walk the streets... every every person in the world i mean i've always said to you kids and 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 as an adult as a big guy i'm always look i'm not silly i don't just i'm not unaware of things particularly at nighttime and i think you you know you've got to be more vigilant but even as a, a, a male walking in this area i'm always you know like when i come into the building i just i'm aware that i don't particularly want anyone else to be you know ready to sort of come in behind me particularly if they don't live in the building mm. so I'm sort of um, you know I'm just aware um, but yeah I, I definitely had this um, this very strong feeling and uh, it's interesting isn't
1: it yeah yeah well if anyone has any more kind of spooky stories feel free to go in touch at facebook.com forward slash loose units. We are going to be back on Tuesday morning with a brand new episode of Loose Units and then we're going to be back later in the week with more other stuff. And I'm also in the process of cleaning up one of our favorite live shows and we're going to pop that out as a very special kind of movie-length episode, basically. So make sure you keep your ears peeled for that. Have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe and we will see you next week for more Loose Units. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheerio.